number seven finally we hit a little bit of speed bump there things just got busy we weren't able to do it for a couple weeks yeah life happened for a couple weeks there man but we're back at it man i'm excited to get back here in the seat nice seat by the way actually yeah we're we're moving up (laughs) it's gonna be a a full-fledged studio at some point telling you man it's it's almost like we know what we're doing here yeah but yeah the last couple weeks have been so busy trout season and then turkey season started last saturday yeah buddy and i've got all kinds of home improvement projects going on yep yep it's now it's time to clean up the yards after Mm -hmm. winter's uh you know torture on the properties and limbs down trees down see all that fun stuff yeah so getting caught up but yeah i've got a new kubota on the way yeah i saw a picture of that man that's pretty sweet dying for it because there's so much work to be done in the behind the house here and it's not you know diminishing at all no <laughs> so well you know it's going to help out a lot my mother always here. says no one's going to sneak in and do it for you so mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be there and that'd be nice but anyway i just figured we'd uh talk a little bit about turkey season so far what we've been seeing how it's been going i've only been out a handful of times but Likewise, likewise. Yeah, I was uh, out. I was out the first day, and then I got out one day during the week for like an hour. Same. And then Saturday, I was out. We hunted the full day, well, yep. till noon at least. Yeah, it's been awfully quiet on my end as far as hearing the birds. But I mean, the weather's been real screwy, so I, I can't help but think that that's got something to do with uh, how they're they're patterned. Uh, I mean, I know it's typical for them to be hened up, you know, this time of year, you know, roosting with the hens. But uh, you know. Surprised that I'm not hearing as many gobbles that I as anticipated. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's just, that's hunting, man. You just got to roll with it and kind of figure it out. And that's where I'm at right now is just trying to figure them out, man. Because without yeah. them gobbling and giving up their location, it's real tricky to figure out and organize a setup, you know. So, right. But that's part of the fun of it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, every time I've been out so far, well, actually, that, that one hour that I was out in the middle of the week, uh, there really wasn't much going on. I heard uh, I was with my dad for that hour, and we had one turkey goblin, but he was he was far. He was down the hill. Right. But other than that, I've had uh, my wife Bridget out with me the first day, which was pretty exciting. Um, we didn't actually see any turkeys. Right. But they were gobbling all over the place. Yeah. And what the what the issue was there is we were behind the house and you know, you only have 8 acres and for turkey, I mean, we, we'd be set up a few different times and pretty much just run out of real estate, you right, know what right, I mean? Right. You want we wanted to make a move and circle around or do a half circle or something like that, but then you know, you're hitting the the property boundary. There's there's not too much to work with back there. Sure. So uh it was still a good experience for it was it was enough excitement that uh, she wanted to do it again. Right. So um, Saturday we went out again, and, man, it was 
Saturday was probably one of the craziest days I've ever had in the Turkey Woods. It was just no kidding. unbelievable. Uh, we were at, we actually got to the farm, uh, the farm that I deer hunt, a little bit late. And it was just starting to get light as we were walking through the field. And I, I had already wanted to be set up at that point. Mm-hmm. But we were lucky. Uh, turkeys were roosting in a different spot than they normally were. You, you have to walk through one field and then like a little, a little uh, I don't know, like a little prairie. Mm-hmm. Just like a little, it, it separates the two fields and there's like a little funnel in between there. And then you get out into this other field, the big one that I, I haunt. You see it on a lot of the videos. Sure. And uh, we got there and we... We hadn't heard anything gobble yet, and we were walking across that field, and uh, we actually kicked a hen out of the field. They were already off the roost. Oh, no kidding. So she flew up, and at that point I said, oh, my God. She she, she just flew up into the tree, mm-hmm. and I said, oh, man, we, we screwed this up. And then no longer than probably 10 seconds, a turkey gobbled in that same patch of woods, and then once he gobbled, it was just pandemonium. Right, there right. were turkeys everywhere. Hit the switch. Gobbling. They were up on the hill. They were down on the other side of the field. They were behind us. It was there had to be eight different birds mm-hmm. gobbling in that vicinity. So we retreated. We went back to the prairie, and I, I thought for a second I was trying to figure out what the closest one was, what we could do. So we actually headed up the prairie, got uh, along this this wood line. And we uh, we sat down. There was one gobbling. He was just over the hill, and um, man, it it was just it was absolutely perfect. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't do much calling at all. I yelped a few times, and, and he was answering and answering. And then finally, I got him to. It was a long way, but it, in the open field, calling is you know it gets to them, and sure, it's not it's not as difficult, but. He probably came 200 yards, and he came right up this wood line. And I'll uh, I'll minimize this, and I've got the video queued up here nice. that I could show you a little bit of the footage as it went down. Now, one thing I, I learned to do, because uh, I, I bumped my share of birds off the roost walking in in the morning. You know, you think you know where they're where they're roosting, and then you walk in and you you catch one and you bump them off the roost. I usually walk in with a mouth call in. So yeah. if I bump one, I'll just start like cackling as cackling, if i'm yeah. flying off the roost and i i don't know if it would work or not but it's one of those things i thought about like maybe i can fake out turkeys in the area yeah. instead of me bumping it that it's flying down yeah and you know as soon as i get up in the morning when i'm going turkey hunting i usually pop the mouth call and i keep it in my cheek i yeah. I, I just pretty much never take it out and I, I actually found out this year that i shouldn't do that because i think it ruined one of my calls it just stayed saturated well that's it yeah i i agree with that but i mean you know it's no different whether it's in there an hour or yeah. four hours it's gonna get wet you know yeah. what i mean that's what the thing is i i don't i can't get a mouth call to last me more than a season or two yeah i'm using these mouth calls this year that i bought last year and used last year and they were fine all year and i used them the first day they're great the second day they're just starting to sound real Real sketchy and yeah, they start sounding like raspy, and, yep. and sometimes yeah. they go high pitch. What happened to this one is I, I think it was just so saturated that maybe I think that they hold the whatever that material is like a little is like Teflon on the mm-hmm. outside. Yeah, yeah. That it uh, the glue just came apart, and the little metal insert with the latex just like slid out. Oh, okay, yeah. So that's that pretty much that metal frame is what holds the whole thing together. Yeah. That'll start to really impact the way it sounds. Yeah. So I don't know if it was just being saturated, but I. I mean, the last couple of weeks I've been hammering that right. same call. So, I mean, that doesn't help either, but.
Yeah, they wear out like anything else. You know, the more you use it, the, the more they wear out. But uh, yeah, I usually refresh them every year or two. I always go buy a new set for what they cost. I mean, they're not that they're not that expensive. Right. Um, I mean, even if you get into making them, I mean, it's even cheaper. Um, but you know, for as many as I would ever make, it's just easier to buy them. Yeah. Know? But it's a cool little hobby. Yeah, my dad used to make them. I don't. I don't know if uh, he still has any of them, but. Yeah, it's not it's not that tough. No, know? it's easier than you'd think. Easier than I thought anyway. I mean, when I started looking into it, I was like, wow, that's really not that hard at all. You don't even need a press to do them. Mm-hmm. You can pretty much do them with a, a little mallet and uh, yeah. a block of wood to, yeah, to set your frames. clamp them. But I'll show you this footage now. This is going to be a bit of an experiment because I don't know how this – I think the sound is going to come over the, the microphone, and I'm going to have to do a little editing on this. But you see the look. Oh wow! I see him right there. Yeah, and this was this was funny because this was the pretty much the first time that Bridget had turkey in front of her. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is only the second time she's ever been hunting. Right. <laughs> that's so cool, man! To get her out. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, it, this footage gets intense. I've not, I've not, This is probably the best turkey footage I've ever filmed. But uh, I'm gonna fast forward it yeah, a little sure. bit. And, uh, I wish you had a little heart rate monitor of hers in the corner yeah. of the screen. Right there. It, it was funny <laughs> once you see the the conclusion of what happened here. But I mean, I'll yeah, fast forward he, a little oh, bit. Oh man, that's so cool. I mean, he just he he lit up. He did his he, thing. He was ready to go, and he was a he was a good gobbler. Yeah, he is, you know? man. He's beautiful. That's the coolest thing in the world, man. That's what keeps me going out and sitting for six eight hours at a clip is just to see something like that. Yeah. And, you know, he, he was coming and coming, and there were there was a time right here, I think she said now, and he was probably like 35 yards. Yeah. And, you know, we have that, the 20-gauge. The I said, no, give him a minute, give him a minute, you know. See, not yet, I just mm-hmm. said. But uh, I'll post a video of this, so I'm not just describing something. Oh, that absolutely, no yeah, see, this but, is really great footage, man. But, uh, yeah, he was just... He was raring to go, and it was just it was just the ideal setup. Right. You know what I mean? We we had the elevation at our advantage. We had the wood line there, and I had the the hen decoy, you know, eight yards, kind of like just enough behind us that he would have to come by us. Sure. For him to uh, to get to it. And th- that type of setup is kind of overlooked. Not I don't think it gets enough uh, enough uh, play is to put the decoy behind you, because then that turkey has to look past you. And, uh, you know, as long as you're not moving, he's never going to see you, man. He'll never yeah. see you. I know that uh, the guys from PA Bowhunting in, in our group message there have been talking a lot about decoys and yeah. decoy setups. Everyone has their own idea on how you should do it, you know? I always take one. I oh, always yeah. have the hen, and I have the, I don't know what that other one is. That's like It's like a half turkey with a tail. Okay. It's, it's like a it's fan? Like a, yeah, it's like, like a... See, and uh, I just, in this footage, I just told her to aim at the red spot, which, where I, it's hard to tell where she actually ended up shooting, but the, uh, the result here is a miss, and I'm pretty sure it's a clean miss. Oh, yeah. A couple feathers. I think the feathers are from him flying off, though. Yeah. No. <laughs> but, uh. <laughs> It was, Boy, that's a bummer, man. Yeah. What a cool situation yeah. to get in. It was man. it was ideal, you know. And it, after that, you know, I was I was so proud of her because she wasn't ready to leave. 
Right. She was raring to go. That's you awesome. Know, it was her determination that day was was you know unmatched. We hunted till noon and about ten thirty it started getting warm. Yeah. You know? And we we walked all over the property. We we hiked good way and uh, we had turkeys gobbling all throughout the morning. No kidding. And it actually ended up kind of in a little bit of a standoff, not a standoff per se, but uh, we had two gobblers out in the field with a hen that it was actually, it was funny. I posted a live video that, that morning. And um, as I started the live video, a, a hen came out of the same woods that we were set up in. Right. Started walking across the field towards the, towards where the gobblers were. Right. And uh, I said in the live video, I said, this hen's about to ruin it for us. And she did. She stuck with those two gobblers all morning. No kidding. And they would gobble every once in a while. But what we did is we kind of, we retreated, we went back, we we looked again for the turkey, thinking that she might have hit it and maybe got a, a lucky BB somewhere. But sure. no sign of him. Um, we had turkeys gobbling up on the hill then. We set up on them. And they kind of went silent. It might have been the same situation. Sure. After that, we came back down into the field, and those two gobblers were just out in the middle of the field strutting. So we kind of worked around them, and we had another good setup in that prairie where there's a there's a gate that goes out to that bigger field. Okay. And I had the decoy right out in front of us, so if they got to that gate, they'd see him. They we we were thinking that they would come in, but they got right to the edge where two more steps they would have been able to see the decoy. Mm-hmm. Never did it. Turned around and went no back kidding. down the field the way they came, and they <laughs> oh, stayed man. down probably, I mean, where we were and where we could see through the woods into the field was probably 100 yards, and they just stayed there strutting for, for probably two hours. We were set up there, and That's they would cool. gobble every once in a while, but, man, once they're in that, that strutting zone and that and there's a hen there, yeah, there's just no moving. Them. No, 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 they're... They're done, man. They're they're just gonna hang out because that's that's the way it is in nature, you know. The hen's yeah. supposed to go to them, so kind of trying to reverse that role uh, when you're hunting is is tricky. Uh, for her to to see all those different scenarios, it was awesome. Yeah. You know, for her to get it get the bird in close to see how they get henned up to hear yeah, them absolutely. gobbling. I mean, that's man, that's what keeps you coming back. You know, it makes it real tough to talk somebody into going out again when you get a whole lot of silence. You know. Yeah, I mean. So the two times she's been out, we've been set up on multiple birds. We've heard multiple birds. She doesn't know what right, uh, right. like a cold morning with nothing happening is like. You sure, know? sure. Well, that's good, though. That's good. Yeah. You know, Eventually it's going to happen. But yeah. I'll tell you, you get a couple of positive experiences under the belt there. It's, it makes those uh, long stretches uh, easier yeah. to withstand, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I'm proud of her for sticking with it. I, I mean, I know it's. You know, she's she's coming from so far away from hunting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? For her to be interested in it, it was it was funny. After she shot, she said, "I think I'm gonna be sick." Yeah. And I was like, "No, that's <laughs> that's normal. That's how you how, you, how you're supposed to feel, yeah. pretty much." She, yeah. She said uh, she thought she was gonna have a heart attack, and I said, "No, that's just that's natural adrenaline right there." You know. But yeah, I was I was proud of her. I mean. It's tough. That's awesome, it's man. Because now you're dealing with those nerves for the first time. Sure. And you know she doesn't have that much experience shooting a shotgun, but uh, yeah, it was something. It was a good experience. You right. Know? Right. But I'm actually gonna head out there tomorrow and hopefully get on one of those birds. I thought about trying to get out tomorrow, but it uh, looks like I'm gonna have to knock a few projects out tomorrow uh, 
it's an inspection month for the vehicle. So mm, yeah, <laughs> got a little work to do on that. Tomorrow's going to be a good day for it, but uh, I'm going to try and get out Saturday for a bit. But the, it's always tricky trying to find the time, but I try to prioritize this time of year and, you know, use every yeah. waking moment to make sure I get that honey-do list done. Right. Uh, so right. that uh, there's not much of an argument to go out. But that's one thing I got to say. She's super supportive because I've been doing this since before we even knew each other. Right. Uh, so it's, you know, she gets it. Uh, as long as I don't, you know, totally you know, abandon everybody right. <laughs> and just spend every waking moment in the woods, yeah. we're pretty good. She's pretty, uh, pretty understanding of it. And she's just as excited when I get one, so it's yeah. pretty cool. So I'm, I'm hoping that she comes around and, and, and decides to give it a shot. If she does, she does. If she doesn't, that's cool. But yeah. uh, it'd be neat to spend some time. I'm, I'm jealous, man. It's, yeah. It'd be cool to spend some time with her out there. Yeah, we were, and, you know, on top of that, we were lucky that, you know, we just got into the action that we did. Right, you know? right. And I think that some of it might, especially Saturday, I've never heard that many turkeys at that farm before. And it was just, it was unbelievable. I kept telling her i was like this isn't this isn't how it is right normally. Like, and uh <laughs> don't get used I, to this yeah I, I was i was wondering if it was maybe because i stayed away from there the first week you know maybe and, and i don't know if maybe there were people i know there was one neighbor hunting and uh uh from what i understand he's not much of an outdoors mini kind okay. of walks around and yeah, yeah you know chases after them but Maybe they got pushed to the property and they, they felt comfortable there, no one really bothering them. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I don't know. We didn't really spook anything either. So we left the, pl- I mean, minus, you know, the gunshot. Right. But. Well, how many times have you seen a, a bird get shot and the one that was with them sticks around to see what's right. going on? Right. So, yeah. you know, I don't really know how much impact that really has on them. I mean, I don't think they understand what it is. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, might be a little spooked, but I think yeah. you should be all right. And and you can see in the footage that bird, he's gliding back down into that field. Yep. So I know he's going to be there, I would think. I don't think he's going to. If there's hens around, man, he's going to be there. Yeah, and there was that one we busted, and then that other one came out. And mm-hmm. I, when we were set up on those two gobblers that were strutting in that field, uh, a, a hen was cackling and calling further up in the field. Yeah. So place is infested. Yeah, so, about it. Yeah. That's awesome. Lucky, real lucky. You know, that's it's the exact opposite for me. I mean, the I I was on that the property right up here from your house, yeah, uh, in Lennoxville there, and it's the first time I've ever been on that property and did not hear a single gobble. And I went in uh, the weekend before. We went up real early and decided we'll just sit in the in the edge of the field and listen to see if they're gobbling. Didn't hear anything. A week prior to that, I went out and did the same thing. I'm like, I'm not hearing any birds. I don't know what's going on. I'm like, well the weather i automatically just kind of reverted back to the weather screwy right, right now it's like one day it's 70 the next day it's 25 you know? right so like we're gonna go up and check it out anyway we went up sat nothing we didn't hear a, a, a single gobble saw three hens moving around but uh that was really it we hunted all morning um nothing i was like bummer but it was still a good day to get out we saw some birds and we saw some deer but uh didn't really see any birds so we're walking out and I can't tell you how many piles of coyote crap I saw. Really? So now I'm thinking maybe that's why there's not as many birds up be there. It. There's yeah. a lot of coyotes up there. There always has been, but lately, I mean, even since last season, there's a lot of a lot of turds up there, man. A lot yeah. of furry turds. Yeah. And that's bad news. Yeah, um, that's not good. No. So I moved over to a different property, and again, no gobbles every year. It's loaded up there. In fact, the landowner was hunting first day. Said he must have heard a hundred gobbles. 
I'm like, great. Well, guess where I'm going hunting on Thursday? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, go out, and I'm going to be in the office all day, so you might as well go hunt. Nothing. No no gobbles. So we moved around the property a little bit and uh, saw a hen uh, at, at, towards the end of the day, so we got some really cool footage of a hen. You know, anytime I can video a hen talking, yeah. that's great because it really gives you some insight on what your calling should sound like right? Um, to a point. I mean, I've, I've heard some hens that just sound like they're stroking out. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's amazing that that's what they actually sound like at times. Um, but uh, yeah, nothing. So I'm like, you know, the next day I get a text message from the landowner like, hey, check out this big giant gobbler my buddy yeah. shot right where you were sitting yesterday. Right. You know? I, yeah. send the, I send the picture. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Yeah. yeah. I said, hey, look at this. Bird guy. He's like, well, you just suck at calling. Yeah. <laughs> I said, thanks, pal. It's, it's See if weird. I call a bird for you again. I mean, I've been getting up, you know, every morning early at the house. And, you know, even if I'm going to work, I'll get up yeah. and I'll call just to see what's going on. Sure. Or before I get in the truck, I'll, I'll let out a couple of calls. And there's been mornings this past week where there was nothing gobbling around here. Yeah. Just, they were just dead. And then, you know, the next day there'll be four or five different gobblers within earshot. Yeah. Like right here. Yeah. It's, you know, they, during the day, you know, they could get pulled away with a hen somewhere and end mm-hmm. up roosting somewhere different. That's it. But, and they, they usually end up coming back. And that's it. I mean, we were just on the, the, the very front edge of the property. I mean, there's a big giant field. You've seen it. There's a big field right off the road. Mm-hmm. And that field is probably 40 acres. I mean, it goes yeah. way back. And uh, then there's another 40 or 50 acres of woods past that. It goes back towards the swamp. So I'm thinking I need to get back in the hardwoods a little further. Uh, now, Damien went out yesterday, and he saw a nice gobbler coming through the field. But he's like, never made a sound, never gobbled. Yeah. He's like, if I wasn't sitting where I was, I never would have known he was there. He was yeah. like, he was out of range, but he got to watch him. He went out right to the hens. He had four hens with him. Turned around, went back up to the other side of the woods, and that was the last you saw of them. So. Yeah, that's wild. You wonder if if at that property where you're seeing all those coyotes or you're seeing the mm-hmm. sign from them, yeah. if they're getting wise to calling. That's, well, that's one of my you know? theories for sure. I mean, like, you know, I've, I've been around properties where you're like, hey, look at this coyote poop. Now, this is like it's all over the place. There's yeah. a little gravel road that goes through because the property had been leased out for uh, for gas lease to drill. Yeah. You know? And uh they built a little gravel road to go back into the field where they built this big gravel pad. So they had equipment back there and they were drilling back there. Uh, once they left, they planted tons of clover in the field. I mean, the whole field is pretty much clover now, which right. is nice for deer hunting. But that pad's not going anywhere. I mean, that's going to be there for a very long time. Right. Um, and that's what they, they're attracted to it. It's crazy. They love to go out there and strut in the middle of it. Yeah. The thing is, it's in the middle of this open field, so there's no sneaking on them. I mean, yeah. Unless I set up a blind on the edge of it, but that's like a sore thumb to these birds who have been there every day. Yeah. So that's uh, probably not a good idea. I just got to get in their way, essentially. Yeah. But, I mean, walking up that gravel road, I mean, it's every 10, 15 yards, there's another load on the road. I'm like, wow. Yeah. This is a little over the top. So after turkey season, I think we're going to go up there and sit the uh, – Damien's bought himself a new AR-15 this year, so nice. I'll sit there and I'll see if I can film shooting a coyote. Yeah, so. yeah, man, they're tough. They're they really tough are. Animals. They really are. I've only hunted them a few times, and uh, I've actually I shot one years ago, but it was just I was deer hunting, and just happened to three of them happened to run down the hill yeah. at me, and it was just pure luck. Um, but trying to call them in, so we we've got ourselves an electric collar now. So nice. We're gonna give it a shot, but we don't have any lights or anything like that. So we'll yeah. just do you know evening hunt, see how it plays out. But yeah, hopefully it's we get at least one or two of them out of there because man, it, the way it looks, there's quite a few in there. So looks like maybe there's a lot of competition for food. We'll exploit yeah. that. You know, we'll have to have 
Teddy Clark up, Predator I'm Master. I'm telling you, man. Yeah, that's, he's my go-to for any kind of questions. Uh, mm-hmm. He really got heavy into the Predator hunting last last year. Yeah. There's an idea for a podcast to get yeah. uh, get Teddy Clark on here. Yeah. Want to talk about a long-winded podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'd be able to cover all kinds of topics. Indeed. Especially when uh, I start, you know, developing the land back here. That's it, he, yeah. That's that's the plan. He's he's. Hopefully he's gonna come up and deliver some seed, and we could uh, get him on here. That's it. Yeah, he's uh, for those of you guys who are unfamiliar with Teddy Clark, he's uh, a, a co-founder of uh, PA Bowhunting that Mark and I are also a part of, and uh, he also owns Northridge Wildlife Seed Company. So uh, he's uh, he's a very knowledgeable in regard to uh, food plots and seeds yeah. and. Uh, they just put out their new soil testing kits, which is cool. I just got yeah. three of them in the mail nice. uh, the other day. Do some soil testing and doing a mineral site this year. So yeah, yeah he's got a. It's really high quality product and it's reasonable. That's yeah. one thing. Him and Mike, him and Mike Novick are co-owners of it. Uh, they're pretty reasonable with their prices, which is cool. But yeah, they're still a young company. I think actually today was what their four-year anniversary. Four-year anniversary yeah. today. Yeah, How about funny that? story about them. Yeah, being the lawyer. Interesting. Yeah, uh, interesting characters. Both of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good that's... dudes, man. Real good dudes. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh... But yeah, they'd be clutch for uh, coming up and taking a look around here because uh, you've got a lot of plans up here uh, oh, coming yeah. up this year, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, between the actual interior projects that are a priority on my wife's list, and then mm-hmm. you know, the exterior property or priorities on my list, right? You know, it's uh, my my time's going to be well divided. Sure. Say, but. Uh, yeah, I've got, I've got the perfect setup for a food plot back there, and I've got some fruit trees already going. So, it it's like I said, it's eight acres, but it's it's the right eight acres right. that you can bow hunt. So, sure. So I'm gonna be okay with that. Hopefully, those guys come up and maybe give me some tips. I know that uh, there's actually that Facebook group that I've kind of been lurking on the when uh, Teddy and Mike are always on it. Uh, what is that? Northeast Habitat Improvement. Oh yeah, called. I'm not familiar with that one. I see them on there all the time, and uh, I've, been, I've been picking up some little little secrets here and there. But well, Josh is uh, a wealth of information as well. Josh Hinkle, yeah, uh, he has that DirtWorks, yeah, we're, DirtWorks uh, management group, uh, the man, well, uh, the land management company, yeah, and uh, I, I, some of the stuff he has going on out at by his cabin when we went out yeah. last August. I mean, there's five, six hundred acre plots around him that he just goes around and takes care of the property. For. These are the kind of people that have the, the money to do it but yeah. don't want to spend the time doing it. Yeah. So he just goes out and does food plots and stuff like that for them, and he does his own stuff. And, yeah, he's a wealth of information in regard to that as well. So, yeah, there's a couple of dudes that got got some knowledge to drop on uh, food <laughs> yeah, my, plotting. Yeah, all at my fingertips. You I know, know right? Resources. It, but it's great when you do have a small piece. Because you know, a lot of people think when you want to do food plots and stuff, you need 150 acres to no, do that kind no. of stuff. You really don't. I mean, like you said, the right eight acres, all you do yeah. is throw up a couple of plots and some fruit trees, and man, you've got a magnet. Yeah. You know, so. Yep. Especially here, because I I know, you know, most of the property back here, and it, it's lacking in fruit trees. I I know there's a there's a little orchard down the road, but it's not uh, maintained. Right. So. In a couple of years, I could have just as much food here as probably several, you know, acres in the back. Right. So, and like I said, it's the, it's the location of this piece. It's actually, uh, it's hard to explain because I, I'm on a, I'm on a pretty large block mm-hmm. of land and 
more than half of this block is owned by the people behind me who aren't really there very often. I, I've spoke, spoken with them a, a few times, and uh, their property is kind of like a, a big patch of woods, but they also have a 90-acre field, and that field pretty much comes to a point. The corner is 200 yards through, through the woods here. Right, right. And then it opens up to a, a bigger patch of woods. So right where that pinches is my backyard and that field. You, get, you only have, you know, 300 yards of woods there maybe. Right. So it's a, it's a little pinch point. And I say a nice little travel route between that field and here. So if you can attract them here with a, a little bit yeah, of clover a food, or uh, a something water. along those lines. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. It'll be, uh, it doesn't have to be a big piece, man. You only need, you know, what? 12 yeah. square feet to shoot a deer in. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, it's uh, it's happened in smaller, but yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. And, you know, it's it's fun to kind of, you know, plan it out. and Absolutely. You're like, a homeowner well, now. You've yeah. got all kinds of, trust me, they don't stop. Mm-hmm. You know, I've owned my home over there where I'm at for nine, almost 10 years now. And I thought I would have had so much more done by now. <laughs> yeah. But it does. It takes time, you know. But yeah. we did not have twins in the you know, in the game plan when we bought the house. Right, so, right. yeah, that was a bit of a wrench into the cogs, but, right. you know, you, yeah. you manage. Life happens. That's man. it. That's it. You roll with it. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, we covered two different topics there, and we're already at a half hour here. Oh, how about it? <laughs> That's good time, stuff, man. Yeah, time flies when, when you're having fun. So why don't we just uh, we'll wrap this half up. I think I, we just lost that camera literally about a minute ago. Oh. That's nice. There you go. That worked out. It's a sign. So uh, we'll wrap this up, and then we'll uh, talk about the beer we're drinking today. Absolutely. Pretty good, and I don't know. We'll find something else to talk about. Absolutely. Good deal. We are back with the second half of episode number seven. We're drinking beer as usual. And uh, we've got more Peak Organic Brewing Company beer. I know we did the the ripe. Yeah, yeah. Was, was that was that the last episode? Uh, I don't recall. At some point we did <laughs> we did uh, Peak Organics Ripe IPA. It might have been the last one actually, because I think that they uh I don't know, they, they interacted with the, the one post that we had. But we're back at this again with Peak Organic. They have uh, a six-pack out now with two different IPAs in it, Uh, the Evergreen IPA and the Crush IPA. And we had the Evergreen in the first half Mm -hmm. podcast, and now we're drinking the Crush IPA. The Evergreen was, what was it, Uh, Juniper and Spruce? You got it, yeah. Sprued with. It's pretty good. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. I said we were kind of talking about that Woolrich. Was it Woolrich put out a beer? Yeah, Dogfish Head and Woolrich, the Pennsylvania tuxedo, which I still don't think that we actually had yet, did we? No, no, no. No, we still didn't do it. But, uh, yeah, that's a – it is – it's comparable. I mean, Yeah, yeah, it's a little different, but it kind of reminds me with that whole piney uh, aftertaste. Yeah. uh, Pine and – 
hoppiness, the natural flavor of hops. I don't yeah. know. They just they just mingle well. I think it's the same thing with with citrus. I think citrus and ooh, excuse me, the, the natural uh, flavor of hops right. also mingle well. But uh, that's how that last peak was. It had all like I think we kind of we got into a little grapefruit. Yeah, there's grapefruit and then like pineapple. That. And, so, and for somebody who hates grapefruit, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely not a grapefruit that one fan. Was, that was good. I I think that I like that better than both of these. And the reason that I'm thinking that is after we were trying this, uh, the second one, the Crush IPA, it to me, they, they kind of don't taste that different right. than each other. So I'm thinking that... They probably, they're kind of like sister beers, I guess you'd call them. Yeah, yeah. And I think they start with the same base, the same hop schedule, and then they might throw in actual spruce tips or, or juniper berries with one, and then blood orange peels with, right, with the right. other one. And they're very similar in appearance as well. Yeah, they, they look almost the same. And, and just the fact, maybe it's just, maybe it's like a little placebo effect, just the fact that they come right. in the same, you know, six-pack Makes you think, all right, well, we'll just brew these together and then sure. we'll throw this and this one, this and this one. But I could be totally off. And if they listen, maybe they'll take offense to, <laughs> to this. But to me, they don't taste that different. But also, it's not a bad thing because it's really good beer. Like, right. Yeah. I, I mean, the other one, the uh, the Evergreen, that, I really like that. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy that. That was yeah. really, I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. This has got a little bit – It's. I, I think it's a little bit different. I mean, once I got a, a mouthful of it, I was uh, pouring it. It looked exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, you could, you could, you could definitely get the citrus in this one, but the the, the piney is completely different. The piney elements of the last one were probably more more pungent than yeah. the citrus of this one. I I'm not say. certain that that's for everyone. I don't know if everyone would like that piney no. f- evergreen flavor. I don't know. Yeah, I I, I enjoy it uh, mainly because I think you might have put up a post. Sometime last year with that dogfish head. Yeah. Um, that Woolwich uh, Yeah, Pennsylvania it comes tuxedo. out like right in the middle of bow season. Yeah. So it just, you know. Yeah, it, and, and I told my wife to pick it up for me one time. She thought I was joking. Oh, so uh, when good. I told her it was Pennsylvania tuxedo. Yeah. She was pretty, uh, she thought that was kind of comical. I think that I, I, there was somewhere I was recently where that was still on the shelf. And I think I might be able to get us. I, I don't know how that how well that beer ages, but yeah. I'll pick it up. Maybe that'll be our next one. But There you have it. But so far, this is a winner. Uh, this is uh, the, the third now, third beer I've had from Peak. Yeah. And I've liked all of them. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if this has – I wouldn't say this is very high in IBUs, but I think they're both 7% alcohol, which is, you know. Yeah, that's pretty moderate. It's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, pretty good. I think that uh, – if I'm not mistaken, the Dogfish Head Pennsylvania Tuxedo is eight and a half. Okay. So this one's just about there. Uh, I'm a big fan of anything with blood orange in it, so this is kind of right at, right in my wheelhouse. Yeah, and it it it's it's just a good solid IPA. I mean, it it's doesn't not real really heavy. Yeah, it doesn't linger like a lot yeah. a lot of the a lot of IPAs have that quality where you take a sip of them and you you it just kind of sits in your mouth. Yeah. You know that. That hoppiness, that bitterness. Yeah, no, this is really good stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm digging this. Yeah, I like both of them. And I, I'm a big fan of, win. of Peak's whole, uh, I don't know, their, their model, uh, you know, local sourced. Yeah, all organic all stuff. All organic. I think cool. that's, uh, yeah, that's definitely uh, appealing. 
But, yeah, again, we would, I think it's safe to say we'd recommend this. If, if you see this six-pack out somewhere, definitely grab it. I picked up mine at uh, the Beer Express in Lenoxville. Yeah. Yeah, they have a pretty huge selection. That's where I pick up most of the, the beer we drink. There's a couple of decent spots. In fact, you know, a little kind of uh, surprising is the beer selection that they have at Weiss Market in mm-hmm. Carbondale now. Yeah, um, that's real good. I, I yeah, do. I was impressed by it. They have a lot of good wine there as well, which, yeah. you know, for you know a place that attracts a lot of people in pajamas. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You could buy your <laughs> fried decent. chicken and your wine right yeah, in the same I'm place. Yeah, it's a pretty good selection of vino there, man. Yeah. But... Enough about the alcoholic beverages, I guess, for now. But we'll have to consume them for you since you can only hear us talk yeah, about it. Yeah, but so if you see it, pick it up. I don't know if, <laughs> if Weiss and Carbondale has peak. I don't think they carry peak. Yeah, but. I don't know. I'd have to check it out because I, I, I usually don't shop there very often. And just if I need something on the fly, I'll swing yeah. in and grab it. But yeah. uh, beer, you <laughs> try to stay away. <laughs> but uh, something we talked about in the first half of the podcast that – uh, while we were taking our break there was um, we started talking about the land development that I'm going to do behind the house. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got talking about food plots. And there's there's something about food plots. There are actually, you know, there are some people that can just argue over anything. Right. But one of the arguments that we, we come across once in a while on, uh, on Facebook – are uh, about if food plots are are baiting. Right, right, right. Which drives me nuts. I mean... Yeah, I guess it's debatable, but, uh, you know, it's... Baiting, to me, is dumping a bag of corn on the ground. Maybe, yeah. you know, or, you know, some of those mineral blocks and stuff like that. You know, everything has its place. I mean, during the summer, I use bags of corn um, to... Put throw in front of the game camera to take inventory. Yeah, and it's a great way to draw animals in. But you know, you've got thirty days before the season where you've got to cut that out. I mean, and yeah. you have to. I mean, that's yeah. just the law. Um, whereas a food plot, it's gonna, it's, it's not gonna be as easy. You can't use it in the same manner. Although it's the same, similar end game. You're feeding the animals, but you're not just throwing out corn for deer. You know, way a food plot's gonna gonna benefit the property is gonna help with you know anti erosion properties depending on what was yeah. there beforehand. Um, you're gonna benefit um, non huntable species, songbirds. Right. Um, you know, just about any animal out there is gonna find some benefit of a food plot depending on what you put in. Whether it's you're planting corn or you're planting clover or you're doing some kind of winter forage mix or something like that. I mean, it's all it's not like I said it's it's a Far cry from dumping a bag of corn yeah. in the middle of the the woods somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you know, honestly, I'm not. I've done that in the past. I'm not a big fan of it. Uh, you know, for inventory purposes, if you're trying to see what kind of deer you have, I'm not going to judge anyone for doing it. But I also feel that when you do that, you're kind of altering their patterns. Oh, for sure. So, so you, you're gonna, you might see a deer coming there specifically for that corn. And once that corn stops, he's going back to doing what he's right, doing. Right. So, I, I, tr- I, pretty much stay away from that. I just, and I also don't <laughs> want to get in a situation where, God forbid, I don't know, a squirrel carries a kernel off somewhere and somebody walks by it during yeah, yeah, bow yeah, yeah. season. Like, it, 
things could just go south. Of course, yeah, yeah. It definitely just... opens up some variables for sure. Yeah, I just uh, that's it's not quite for me. But as far as food plots go, yeah, I'm all for that. I mean, uh, for one. I just like, I don't know, getting dirty and, you know, tilling soil and, sure. you know, I, I just, it's fun. It's fun to play farmer for a little it while. It really is. I mean, at times it sucks in the middle of doing it when it's like yeah. 90 degrees yeah. out and the sun's kicking your butt and, uh, yeah. you know, you're halfway done and you've got four hours to go yet or picking field stone. Yeah. Good Lord. we I can't tell you how many tons of field stone we've picked over at Gary's place over there. I mean, every year. Yeah, he Pennsylvania just drives soil. the tractor. It's terrible. Classically rocky. Oh yeah, I mean that's just kind of the area we're in, you know. Um, and you know, it's it's physical, it's hard labor. But when you know you get to, you know, beginning of October and you get to go out and sit in that stand, yeah. and look over that field or that, that field plot so that you put your you 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 busted your hump doing. Yeah, man, it's cool. It's a good feeling. It's yeah. a good feeling, especially when you see deer going in and out of it. You yeah, know what I mean. It's just it's just you know one of those things that you, you kind of have to experience in order to understand, right? Uh, yeah, and it 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 really is more of a a full circle type of deal. You know, you're 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 giving back to the land, and mm-hmm. then the land ends up giving back to you. Sure, technically. Sure. But uh, I think it was the last podcast where I I talked about Ohio mm-hmm. and how their uh, their wildlife department puts so much money into the land. That you know, I was out there on their public land scouting, and they plant so much corn and clover, and you could tell that when you go out there, the the environment is just thriving on all levels. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much waterfowl out there. Yeah. You know, you're 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 just walking down these trails, and there's ducks flying over, and geese flying over, and there's turkeys, and when you see the birds really thriving, you know everything is kind of thriving. Sure. There, you know. And, uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, just like the, like songbirds just out back here ever since I started, you know, doing a little bit here and there, you you slowly start seeing different songbirds that you haven't seen before, you know, and that's, uh, when you start attracting, you know, new, new species and once it starts thriving, just such a good feeling altogether that you're actually giving something back that it's working and it's, you know, it's only a matter of time until, you, you're doing what you want to do with that land. You know, right. you have deer showing up and you have, you know, turkeys and you, you get to where you want to be. It's just a, it's just a really wholesome feeling. You know it I mean? is. I mean, I, I can kind of understand the other side of it, the other side of the argument. Like, okay, you're still changing the land and you're putting food there for the, you know, explicit reason of killing a deer over it. Well, all right, whatever. You know, I, I get it. You do have a point. But it's it's the the amount of work that goes into it. I mean, you know, who knows? I might be wrong. You know, someone could come up with a great argument to you know tell me I'm full of it. But uh, you know, the amount of work that goes into it, and like I said, it, just the the way it takes root and the way it you can change the the way the soil pH is. I mean, you can get down to it to that level. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can really create a healthier ground i mean healthier soil just by changing environment exactly and that's going to kind of seep into the uh, other environment you know you have healthier trees around it if you have fruit trees that they're going to benefit um i think we got into a a conversation with teddy and he was talking about how um this tree 
works great with this clover because of the pH level changes when the yeah. clover grows and buds. It changes the pH for the tree. He, like he's real deep into it. Yeah. But you know that's just a good example at how how that kind of works and it, it's this own how they there it's you know a very symbiotic relationship between what the man-made aspect is and right. the natural environment and how they work together and how they feed off of each other so like i said it's not just dropping a trophy rock in a corner of the woods somewhere and right. slapping a game camera on it you know what i mean yeah um it's just one of those things that it just it it's different but the same you know what i mean right <laughs> yeah no no i i get it i i understand that that uh that statement but i the one thing that you know i guess if i were in this conversation with somebody i would say dumping a bag of corn is not giving back to the environment right right you know planting a food plot and where multiple species can benefit that is and essentially that's conservation sure you know and that's what we're you know supposed to be we're supposed to be conservationists so you dumping a bag of corn in an area where there is no corn is going to be more detrimental to the to the deer than beneficial. Mm-hmm. You know, you introduce something foreign to their diet, and that could have some seriously negative effects. Sure, and you know, one thing that I didn't realize that you know can, kind of came about now with the whole uh, CWD thing that's going around in, in, in a lot of these ailments that these deer are suffering from is a lot of it is transferred via body fluid so right feeding piles of corn yeah you know what I mean? so like i said when i use it I, i'm actually going to mineral sites this year so instead of doing the like the attractant the deer food the, the you know the was they always using horse feed the one year and it, it worked you know it's just something different that yeah. they will draw them in to get them in front of a camera so you can kind of figure out what was going on out there what was moving around mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to move to uh, mineral sites. Uh, that's what we're going to do this year instead of the whole throwing the corn around. But it was yeah. a great tool. Um, you start to you know start to realize you know kind of the, the downside of it and the whole you know one deer picks up a mouthful of corn and then drops some out and that yeah. deer is sick. The other one picks it up and eats it. Now you've got a transition of yeah. body fluid and you run the risk. You know what I mean? But yeah, uh, swapping saliva. That's it. You know and uh, so there's definitely a negative side to it. There's pros and cons to it, of, uh, of course. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I want to I'm thinking the mineral sites are probably going to be again not only good for the, the the buck you know it's like all about growing antlers but you know the the doe are starting to nurse you know and they're dropping fawns right and those minerals are really advantageous to the doe yeah. who are nursing throughout the summer uh, so i think that's going to be more uh, appropriate for what my end game is uh, but yeah i mean i i will try to inventory with with minerals I, i'll put you know during the summer I'll, I'll have most of my cameras over minerals because mm-hmm. I think, you know, that's that's definitely beneficial. Like you said, with doe's nursing, you know, extra minerals and vitamins, you sure. know, for them. It's just going to make this, the fawns healthier, that's stronger. That's it. It serves the same purpose of what I'm trying to get out of it is right. to get inventory of the animals on that property that are frequenting, you know. Right, right. And then, you you know, a, a mineral site, you know, they say you, you have to clean it up before the, before that's the season. Yep. But, you know... <laughs> you'll you'll have to dig out like six feet before those. Well, that's the thing. I'm getting... not going to hunt where I'm putting the mineral. Yeah. You know, because you can do that. You you can hang. You can put your mineral on one side of the property, hunt the yeah. other. You know what I mean? Right. But, uh, so I'm not too worried about that. But yeah, I mean, there's you're supposed to clean it out, but I, you yeah, know, I'm just I mean, not going to hunt it. Yeah, I'm just going to stay away from it. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. And it, 
I, for the most part, try to put them where I know deer are traveling, where they, they don't have to go out of their way for them, you know. And that's it. I've got a spot picked out where it's right where they cross to another property. Yeah. So I wouldn't hunt there anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not going to hunt right on some other yeah, guy's hunt property on a, line. A property line, yeah. Um, and yeah. I don't think that guy's going to hunt right against the property line that I'm on either. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, I mean, who knows? But that's kind of the the goal. Uh, there's a there's a crossing uh, over a stone wall that I found that seems pretty heavily traveled. So that seems like a pretty. In fact, I think I talked about uh, doing a, a mock scrape in yeah, that area. Right. And that was before I kind of started investigating this whole uh, the, the mineral sites. And I think I think the mineral sites can be a way to go for that area because I'm not going to really spend too much time hunting it anyway. Right. Uh, so see how it plays out. But it's just a different way of going about getting the same result. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you if you could avoid, I guess, just throwing out corn, I think that's that's a plus, you know. Yeah, that's. I mean, I I used it for probably the last two years, I think two seasons. We used it on two different properties just to kind of get an inventory of what. Because like I said, that Lennoxville property is this is the second year I'm hunting it. I hunted it years ago, but right. that was before they did that whole gas lease thing, mm-hmm. and uh, they they kind of did they made a mess of the property. Uh, during that time so we stayed out of there there was a lot of people in there there was machines in there so we stayed away from it um once they left and kind of cleaned it up and put it back together they planted a mess of clover in there i guess that's kind of their their go-to yeah Yeah. is they plant a lot of clover once they uh, make a mess in there it just kind of brings it back so i don't really have to do any food plotting over there yeah that's nice Um, i uh kind of did it for me yeah i I turkey hunted a, a place for a while that had that uh had a pipeline go through that was a couple of years ago mm-hmm. uh and i'll tell you what that <laughs> they do clover up the entire pipeline mm-hmm. it is beautiful man it, it's just they do it right too yeah it's pretty you know? thick with it i mean there's a lot of high grasses that they put in for edging against the, right. the the hardwoods where they transition from the hardwoods out to the field there's a lot of, i mean so thick you can't even get through it unless you're walking on the deer path right you, know, you just can't ma- navigate that stuff it's it's as tall as am in fact i think i posted a picture of it last summer of me standing in it and it was as high as my head and i'm yeah. you know six three right and this the, the weeds were as high as i was if not taller and uh, so that's, it just gives them a great habitat. So they, I give them a lot of credit. I mean, for the damage they did when they first went in there, like literally bulldozing strips of trees. Like there, I had a tree up there that had a tree stand in it. I'm like, oh, I get go back on the property. I'm going to go see if that tree stands there. Yeah, no, like about 50 feet of trees are gone. Yeah. <laughs> and the stand was gone with them. So, you know, you, you got to do what you got to do, I guess, when you're doing that kind of work up oh, there. Oh, yeah. Um, but you know, when they did put it back together, they did a, a pretty decent job. I mean, there's still some remnants up there that are irritating. You know, they have like a lot of drainage ditches up there that they had to put right. in for the machinery. Right. The problem with that is you can't run a tractor or a brush hog or anything through there. Right. And let, without running the risk of hitting one and messing up your machinery. So it's really challenging. I'm trying to talk to the landowners now about getting in there and having someone come in and hay it or something, at least cut it down. You mean um, the, the, the pipeline? Uh, no, just the, the fields, you oh, know, okay. cause I used to hate the fields. So right. when it came to, uh, opening day, you know, you'd, you'd have a decent field for them, you know, to come out in right now. I mean, it's six, seven feet tall mm-hmm. where I used to hunt on the field edge. Now I'm hunting over this, you know, well, I don't hunt it anymore. Yeah, but hunting it be, as, as like bedding. Right. Yeah. So you have to change the whole dynamics changed on, and how to hunt it. That's what I did last right. year. We pretty much spent last year trying to figure out how they're traveling there now. Right. It's just completely different now. Right. So by the time I got it figured out, it was rifle season. That's when I shot that doe on that yeah. Saturday. 
um, I finally kind of got it figured out. So now it's different with a bow. It's right, right. All different ball game. Trying to figure out where I'm gonna hang a stand up there. Yeah, and that that's also kind of a, a hot button issue, especially in Susquehanna County. If uh, you know, a lot of people say they you know they don't like the uh, gas companies coming through and doing what they're doing on the properties, but from my experience, I would I would say you know if if they wanted to come through, I mean, I only have eight, eight acres. I don't know mm. what, how they'd come through here. They'd, they'd decimate <laughs> me. But right. if if they were going to come through a bigger piece of property, if I had I, you know, if I owned a bigger piece, I would, I think I would be all for it because mm. just from my experience in hunting that property that I, I was hunting, I mean, it just seemed so beneficial. I mean, yeah, it, it probably changed up some patterns and things, you know, obviously oh, sure, yeah. habitat changed, but it's just, you know, from one side to the other, solid clover all the way up the, the entire mm-hmm. thing. The, the only yeah. thing was the landowner didn't take care of it. They didn't mow the clover. Yeah. So, so you know. That's it, the challenge we have up there as well. Yeah. You can't get in there to cut it. You right. Know? So. I mean, if it were mine, I would, I'd find a way to do it. I'd keep that clover going. Because I know. I thought about going up there with my weed whacker. <laughs> yeah, weed whacker, push mower. <laughs> just go nuts with it, you know? I mean, I, I've done some food plots where I've, like, way back in the woods where I've taken the rototiller, where mm-hmm. I just turn the rototiller on and let it walk, mm-hmm. and I've gone, you know, a mile back in the woods and done it. Yeah, yeah. I would, I, would, I would find a way, definitely, to get that clover cut because it's just, it was so worth it, you know? The, that's it. We're trying to figure that out now and how we're going to, how we're going to make that happen, so... Like I said, they have a, a small tractor up there, so I'm yeah. going to try and talk to them. Into, like, I'll do the work. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care. I'll do it. But It's worth it. I just need access to it at that specific time, and I need access to their equipment So because I don't have a tractor. I've got my lawn tractor, but that might have to do. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> Put on a high setting and just go. And do a little off-roading. Yep. There yeah. you go. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I just there, – there's a – it, it's hard to compare, you know, just baiting in food plots, and and I don't know if you can you call it baiting in food plots. Like a lot of people, that's, like yeah, that's that's a, that's a slippery slope putting those two words in the same sentence. It, it really is. I mean, it. <laughs> but there's no denying that there's you know that there is a debate. You know, I mean, you could look at one of them as a as as a hobby. Sure. You know, like you look at Teddy and Mike and those guys. It's it's almost it's more than a hobby, you know. Well, that's it. They, they made a they made a you know an a actual company and a yeah. business out of it. You know what I mean? And they're I making mean, a living with it. Yeah, it, it kind of comes down to that. You don't see any baiting companies. No, no. <laughs> I mean, no. besides like Trophy Rock and yeah. you know deer or was it the deer cocaine or whatever? Yeah, <laughs> and God, I hate looking at that label. But yeah, I mean, there's a there's a ton of them out there. I mean, just go to Tractor Supply or you know Gander Mountain or whatever, and they have a whole shelf dedicated to it. You know, right. some of your and, outdoor stores. And as far as it goes in Pennsylvania, it's almost a negative connotation when when mm. you see these bags of corn and acorn rage and, and all these like was it deer cocaine? Yeah, and yeah. The the molasses and the yeah, it's just the, you walk by it and you can't help but think people are just sitting there hunting over these things oh you sure know? sure and you know, you know it, unfortunately it's a, tool. it's a tool i mean yeah. you can go to a store and buy oh air quote water pipe <laughs> you mm. know what i mean mm-hmm. perfectly legal to sell that right but yeah. you know 
for the the way it's typically used, not exactly legal. So, right, right. Um, you know, it's perfectly legal to sell these things. It's just, yep. you know, what you do with it once you, you walk through those it? doors, that's on you. Yeah. You know, so yep. I think that's kind of the mentality of it. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's like, like anything, it's a tool. If you use it appropriately and you use it in a responsible manner, then, eh, you know, it, it's, it still gets a little questionable. But, um, you know, as long as you're not breaking the law with it, you know, you, you may alter patterns and things of that nature, but that's your property and that's your, you, you're, you're going to have to deal with the consequences of altering that pro that, the patterns of those deer right. come hunting season. So, yeah. and it may not play into your favor, you know? Right. Uh, so, you know, it's, 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 it, like I said, it's a slippery slope, but as far as the food plot thing though, I, I just think that's a huge advantage to any property. If you're like the deer, uh, we have up, I'm sorry, the corn that we have for the deer, we leave that corn standing yeah. until, and in fact, he just cut it down like two weeks ago. It's been up. Last year's. Yeah, yeah last year's corn. Um, so, you know, that's great for these deer when you have these harsh winters. Right. You can see the deer up there in the wintertime. Like for like second season, you know, it's still a little tricky getting close enough to them to hunt them. But, right. you know, because it's just the way he has it set up, it's more feed. It's not like food plot. There's plenty of food plots for, to hunt over. But, you know, that stuff's all usually dead by january february you know but when they're still standing corn man those deer flock to it because there's nothing else yeah outside of some you know browse if they can find some good browse if they're lucky um yeah man it's it really has a huge advantage to the wildlife that are huntable you know species like the deer the turkey the bear all that type of stuff the squirrels um you know they love it but it's the it's the non-huntable species that really benefit from it as well yeah, absolutely. That kind of comes on that. That's that connotation of giving back. Yeah, you know full I mean? circle. You're, you're, exactly. You're giving back to these species that, you know, whether they're there or not, doesn't make much of a difference to your bag limit. Right. You know what I mean? It's just they're you're you're helping them out by giving them something that's supplemental to what they would normally have. And, right. And that's uh, it's it's you know it's just kind of all and again like you said you sit in that that stand then that first weekend you're out there for archery season yeah. and you're looking over that food plot yeah man, just grinning it just ear feels to ear. good yeah. yeah I mean you know call it selfish if you want but that's what it is you know right. it's just uh you feel good about what you did and what you put out there so yeah and I, the other thing is I, I feel that food plotting a lot of people think that it has this uh, this air of like wealthiness you know like mm -hmm. like yeah you, yeah oh, you, need, you you must own a ton of land and, and you have yep. the equipment to do it and, the, and this i mean it doesn't take that much to put in a food plot and, and i mean i was doing it you know when i was working a couple part-time jobs mm -hmm. you know you get permission to put a food plot in somewhere you could do it pretty cheap trust me because yeah <laughs> I, I i didn't have a lot of money to put into it you know i was using a, a hand tiller and i was tilling up spots you know 20 yards wide by 60 yards long, mm -hmm. you know, just killing it off, burning it, doing what I had to do, raking it, rototilling it, liming it, doing like it. It's a lot of work. Sure. But I mean, it's not that expensive. And, and that's it. I mean, you can go to your local renta center or whatever oh, yeah. rental place and get yourself a tiller for the weekend for oh, 30, sure. 40 bucks. Yeah. And there's your there's your big machinery right there. Yeah. Everything else, I mean, if you got a weed whacker, you can level the the whatever's there. You cut the grass yep. down or whatever weeds are there. You spray it, let it go for a couple of days. What did you leave it, let it go for about a week and come back? Yeah, I think a week or 
two weeks almost. Yeah. yeah. You come back, make everything's sure. dead. You rake it out. You clear the ground. Now you got your little rented tiller. Yep. Go in, then you can just tie a two by four with some nails on it to your back and just yeah. drag it. You know, I mean, yeah, you, you and can I mean, really improvise. I and I think the thing about you know food plotting that a lot of people take for granted is the detail of mm-hmm. like the soil prep. You yeah. know, once you get it down, raking it and getting all that dead stuff all the way off of it. Yeah. You know that I know a lot of people that used to skip that. You know, yeah. and they wouldn't rake it out. But I mean. The better surface you create for that seed, you know, make it nice and smooth. I mean, I would, I had a big landscaping rake, like a rock rake Mm -hmm. that was like three feet wide. Sure. I would rake that whole thing. I'd pull rocks off of it. And then I, you know, like you said, (laughs) like chucking field stone. Yeah. You could spend hours. That's it, man. It just comes out of nowhere. It's backbreaking. But I mean, the more work you put in, you know, the the better it's going to be in the long run. So... If you could get that surface as smooth as possible, mm-hmm. rake that out, and you get it down. And then if you can, you know, coordinate it to plant just before a rain, you know, you're you're going to be sitting pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, you don't got to go nuts, even like the throw and grow stuff. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of stuff out there. You don't really got to get nuts with it. And that's just it. With, with the way they've engineered some of these seed blends now, it's just, it's unbelievable. Especially... Like we were saying, Mike and Teddy, their their blends. I know that most of our listeners, for the most part, are from you know the northeastern part of the mm-hmm. country, a lot in Pennsylvania. Every one of their seed blends just completely thrives here. Yeah, it's well, it's designed for this type of soil. Yeah. And uh, I've planted the forage greens, and they're just so aggressive. Yeah. You know the the Ridge Reapers the same way, mm-hmm. and uh, we did a lot of the uh, monster uh, clover, the mountain monster clover last year. I haven't took planted crazy. any, but my dad did. Yeah, and, and it's just super aggressive. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean it, the feel of it. In fact, I took a couple pictures and sent them to him for uh, some marketing. I just put his bag with the label on it in the middle of the clover field with the barn in the background and everything and sent them some pictures. And I was like, it was just ridiculous. I mean, yeah. you know, and they had to keep cutting it down because it was growing so fast. Yeah. You had to keep cutting it, you know, which is a good thing, you know, because you want it to be lush like that. And, uh, yeah, it's it's just, they just put together a good product. And they're just not as nationally known like some of these other oh, guys. Yeah. You see these Whitetail Institutes well, and stuff like that. And that's the thing. I don't I don't want anyone calling us out on, on BS just because they're our, they're our friends and we know these right, guys. Right. I mean, my dad has been planting food plots since the 90s and mm-hmm. he went through you know he was a whitetail institute member and you know he went with the local stuff from like agway yeah he will not plant anything else besides uh north the, yeah, the, the north wildlife forage or the no the, the mountain the, monster yeah that's what it is right yep it, it stuff is awesome it's just so aggressive it's because huge i mean it typically it'll take a clover plot like more than a year to develop these fill in so quickly. They they fill in in a year. Yeah, which I is mean, something else. The, the size of the clover it was what really that's why they, I mean rightfully so it's called mountain monster. I mean it's as big as your hand. And yeah. I mean, when you, you can go on the website and check a look, it's seriously it, these clovers yeah. are as big as his hand. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, it's a solid product, and uh, I'm looking forward to throw doing some of that throw and grow up there and over right over here. Lennoxville. I'm gonna yeah. try some of that, but I gotta prep the soil, just like you said. You gotta yeah. put some work into it. Yeah, I mean, the more the more you put in, the more you get mm-hmm. out. That's just the name of the game there. But 
yeah i'm i'm excited you know just to to get some some stuff growing behind the house here and yeah it's gonna be interesting to see how it comes along throughout the summer yeah. and into the fall you know i'm sure you'll keep everybody updated oh yeah absolutely that's it's uh it's gonna be a big project and you know it, it kind of it transcends just growing something to to hunt around you know we're we're gonna plant a garden and right. we're gonna try to be as you know self-sustaining and sufficient as possible because you know that's that's you know kind of again like a full circle conservationist type of sure type sure. of deal. You know? That'd be pretty sweet next fall when you're uh, rocking a little uh, venison cheese stick with the onions and peppers you grew in your backyard. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I can't. It's, I can't uh, wait. It's a cool feeling to do stuff like that. You know? Yeah, I can't wait. But like we're uh, like we're talking right now. You know, it's it's not going to be long before we're talking about deer season and. You know, yeah. we're starting to prep for that. and That's it. That's it. You got some updates coming on that too, don't you? I do. I do. Um, I, I reposted the uh, the trailer for two, which was going to be, you know, the follow-up to Ghost. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it was really, you know, I started putting it together as, as a film. And the more I looked at it, I, I, I thought about it. And, you know, I, <laughs> I guess it was... Uh, the artistic side of me just kind of got romantic, and I thought, no, I, I just, I just don't know if it's going to be a, a really captivating film as a whole. So, I think what, uh, what I'm deciding to do is I'm going to release it in, uh, what would you call it, episodic fashion. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll do it as episodes, but we're gonna do it through the, the podcast platform. So I know that sounds kind of convoluted, but the way it's gonna work out, you know. I'm going to cut it up into little segments and basically Jay and I are going to watch it and we're going to talk about it. And, uh, it's an interesting way of approaching it. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. So it's going to be interesting to, it'll be like, uh, together. It'll basically be like watching like a a DVD or or a movie with, uh, with the commentary on. Yeah. So it'll, it'll be easier that way. I'll be, I'll be able to just explain what was happening, Mm -hmm. why I made the decisions that I made and, I feel like it'll be a, a more genuine way of, you know, describing what what happened at the time. And sure, sure. And I've seen some of the footage, and it's really cool. So I'm really excited about this. To be honest with you. Yeah, I, I mean, and I and I love I love going back and reviewing it and reliving all of that. And uh, that the one of the the factors that made me want to do it this way is uh, one of the storylines uh, came to a close that was actually in the. It was, it was a part of the film, and then the film was going to be wrapped up uh, prior to this particular situation ending. So now the situation ended, and there's some footage that can go with it. So I could kind of release it all together and mm-hmm. not have to, you know, rework anything. Sure. So it's just going to be pretty much a straight-up storyline, and hopefully by the end of it, it gives me a clean slate. I could start over and uh, put, like, a full film together again. Yeah, yeah. And then maybe some some point I'll get around to wrapping all these little videos together if somebody actually wanted to watch it as a film. And Well, that'd be cool. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a great idea. You kind of approach it in this fashion and then kind of throw it together. And I mean, like, the amount of time and energy you put into Ghost was just really, uh, for a first endeavor, was pretty cool. Yeah, that took like over a year. To yeah, put, no put all doubt. that together, no almost doubt. two actually. So, and I was I'm you know approaching three with this. Sure. So I figure you know let's just let's just get it out there. Mm-hmm. Let's 
you know. But I think this is a really cool way to approach it. Uh, and I think a lot of people are going to respond yeah, positively tie, to it. You know, tie the podcast in, you know, let it fire on all cylinders there. And I, I'd like to be able to make the stories work in an audio fashion. You know, if, if you're just driving, you want to listen and hear what's going on. And then at some point circle back and watch the watch the clip of it. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe it'll make people want to search it out and find it and and take a look at it. You know, th- that seems to be uh, trending pretty pretty heavily here through the podcast is little shorts and a lot of the videos yeah. that you do. Yeah. Uh, it's gotten a tremendous amount of traction, man. I'm I'm really impressed with how quickly it's, you know, some of these videos. You're there for two or three days, and you're looking at 2,000 views in yeah, just a few a days. Thousand, yeah. and, and that's pretty cool to see. I mean, you know, all due respect, I didn't expect yeah. it to take <laughs> Yeah, it's nice. It's it's encouraging for sure. And, it, yeah. you know, it kind of kind of keeps us going, keeps us motivated. And Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it kind of you know, feeds in the direction that it seems to trend. You know what I mean? Right. It's trending towards the video thing, so to release a lot of these little uh, the, these clips with a little bit of uh, narration to it. I, th- I think, uh, you know, people who have kind of found this podcast to be pretty interesting because they keep on coming back will really kind of, you know, n- kind of migrate towards that right. that type of uh, media. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm excited to, to see how this plays out. Yeah. So that's going to be the plan for now. Um, I'm not uh, – I don't have all the details totally hashed out. I, I kind of went back into the film and started cutting it apart and seeing like, all right, here's like a, a little two or three minute clip I can use and mm-hmm. we could talk about it. And we'll figure it out and we'll probably start in the summer somewhere, you know, yeah. once we're, uh, everyone's getting amped up on that's it. Yeah, season. We're, we're kind of peaking in turkey season right now, and we're going to kind of drop off a little bit and start ramping up for deer season. So that's probably yeah. a good time to, to kind of get some traction with that. Yeah, get everyone's blood pumping a little bit. And I think it'll be the way to do it. I think it'll, you know, get everyone amped up on getting out with the bow. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm already starting to get excited thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just ta- turkey season yet. Yeah. Talking about all, all the food plotting and just selling tr- in a tree stand. It's, uh, yep. yeah, nothing like it. But that'll be a good segue into it. And uh, we'll see what happens. But I think that's uh, that's enough for this episode. We're already over an hour. We managed to ramble on for more than a half hour I here. So, here, yeah. <laughs> That'll work. Um, it's been fun though, man. I've uh, enjoyed the topics we had this uh, this episode. Yeah. Um, again, if you guys hear anything that you wanna you want us to touch on, or you you know you like or dislike anything, throw us some feedback. We always appreciate hearing uh, what you guys think about it. Yeah, and uh, speaking of um, something, we might look to do on the next podcast is possibly incorporate some live action with it. So we might Facebook live. Yeah. Yeah. We might go live on Facebook or Instagram or, or whatever. And, uh, maybe take some questions or maybe just host the part of the podcast live. Yeah. Sounds like a great in. segment. So we're going to do something with that. Um, keep an eye on all the social media and see, make an announcement, uh, next couple of weeks on what you want to do. And yeah, I'll, and I'll, I'll make some heads up. Yeah, I'll tie some kind of post together where we can get some feedback. And uh, if you have an idea, you could throw it at us and 
we'll figure it out. We'll make it work. But uh, I'll I'll probably advertise a couple days before we do the podcast once we schedule it. Right. Maybe in a, a week or so. Maybe yeah. we'll do one next weekend or something. So we'll try to figure that out and get that scheduled and see when uh, when we plan on doing it so I can get all you guys in on it. Absolutely. Yeah, I look forward to that too. That's going to be pretty cool. An interesting take on it for sure. Yeah. So – with that, we will wrap it up. I appreciate everyone tuning in and listening. Uh, I'd appreciate uh, any feedback you've got, liking, rating, all that Absolutely. good stuff. Yeah, if you're listening to it on iTunes, uh, give it a give us a good rating. Give it a little yeah. five star. Yeah, or or one star. Be honest. I, I I I don't care. No, as long no, as... no, no. Give it a five star. <laughs> yeah, just them. click click <laughs> click the stars somewhere. You don't even have to listen to the podcast. Just click the, just click the five star. That's good. <laughs> but yeah we appreciate that and with Absolutely. that that will be the end of episode 7 thanks again for listening Go we'll easy. catch you next time everything will seem fair take a mountain of donuts to get my head there got down